0: ever had a bad day? We all have, had not we? I found a joke. There's this group of hell angels, hell's angels riding down the road uh, one winter on her, a, on a, um, and so this, uh, he was riding down the road on his motorcycle, and he was wearing his leather jacket, and, uh, but he had a broken zipper, and so he was getting too cold. He said, man, I got to change this jacket around. I'm freezing. So he decides to put the jacket on backwards. So he puts the jacket on backwards he's riding on down the road and he has a wreck and um, would be just happened to be right in front of Boudreaux's house and, uh, and Boudreaux comes out and, and uh, he saw what happened he called the state police to report the accident and the, uh, the, the 911 operator on the phone said well does he show any sign of life he said well he did before I turned his head back around oh. <laughs> gotta watch Boudreaux all right, look at this verse, Hebrews 12, 2. It says, keep your eyes on who? Jesus, Jesus, who both began and finished this race for him. We've been saying this, we're in a race that God has given us, and, and Jesus, we keep our eyes on him because he started it and he finished it. And, uh, and so if you want to know how to do something, you follow somebody that's already done it, who's, who's better at it than you, and Jesus certainly is. It says... Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, and that's that's the thing. Jesus kept his vision, and that's what we want to do. He kept his vision on where he was headed, which was our salvation, and uh, and so he kept that, and 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 uh, because of that, we can overcome bad days too. Week one, we talked about uh, forgiving everyone who's trying to ruin your life, and uh, we've all got somebody right, whether that work or somebody might be in your family. Who knows? In week two, we talked about helping others who are experiencing the same struggle you are. Because what happens is, is we'll be going through something and God will bring alongside us somebody else going through it that we can then in turn help. They're just not as far along as us. You know, in 12-step world, you might be on step five and you're helping somebody on step three. And, uh, and, and you know, so you just, you go through that. The third week, we looked at when you're going through a bad day, be sure to take care of those near you. We looked at Jesus looked down from the cross at his mama and said, "John, take care of her. She doesn't have me to take care of her anymore." And uh and then last week we talked about aim your hard questions at God, not at man. And because God's got big enough shoulders to handle our questions. And uh and so he can he can deal with it. So you got questions, you question whether God's there or not. Let me tell you, we've had I've had kids when I used to do these kid trips and we had a girl that we took she was uh, into witchcraft and all kinds of stuff. Didn't believe anything we talked about. And uh, and so I just challenged her. You ask God to make himself real on this trip. And so she's sitting in Pizza Hut with her friend because they can't be alone. And this man comes walking by, and he looks at her, and he walks off. Comes back by, and he looks at her again and walks off. Comes back the third time, and he said, I know you think I'm crazy, but he said, God told me to come tell you. He, was, he said, I'm a pastor, and I'm on vacation. That's why. I walked on, but God told me to come tell you that He's real and He loves you and walked off. And so I don't know what more evidence you can have uh, when, you're, when you're asking something of God. So uh, aim your hard questions at God. He can deal with it. Today is lesson five, and we're going to look at John 19. Uh, we're going through the different sayings of Jesus on the cross. It said this Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Now, how many know if you're on a cross and you're nailed to it and you're thirsty, somebody else got to get you something to drink, right? It said a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, showed you how cruel the Romans were, and put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Now, here at this point, even the Son of God needed somebody to help him with a drink. He was thirsty. He couldn't get it himself. He was up on a cross. Uh, you know, but he was trying to clear his throat. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to clear his throat for the next thing he was going to say when he said it was finished. But, you know, his, his reminder, is, uh, th- this is a reminder that none of us are so in control, so self-sufficient, so spiritual that we can make it through a bad day without having people help us at some point in some time. A bad day can blur your perspective and it can mess up your speech. It can fog your mind and make you think crazy thoughts. And I uh, can tempt you to say stupid things. Anybody besides me ever fell to that temptation, right, and said stupid stuff or posted stupid stuff? Now we don't really say it. We just let our thumbs do the talking, right? And, uh, and so when you, you know, uh, on a bad day, uh, humbling yourself to ask assistance of others can help you clarify the stance you're taking in trusting God. If you trust God, you're going to ask for help. From people. Just like the drink offered to Jesus, it was bitter, but it helped clarify the statement he was about to speak. And you and I need help that we can bring each other. That's why it's called the body of Christ here. You know, when you hear that word cancer, it's all of a sudden, that's a bad day, right? And You need the people around you. When you're told that you have blockages in your heart, all of a sudden it's a bad day. When you're told that you're not needed at your job anymore, that's a bad day. And, uh, and you need some people around you. When, you, when your spouse tells you there's somebody else, that's a bad day. When you get that phone call that your child's been in a wreck or some type of accident, that makes it a bad night usually, <laughs> but a bad day. You know, when you, you can just fill in the blank. We have all kinds of bad days, don't we? We need each other. If Jesus needed others, we need people. We need people. So lesson number five is write this down. Be human enough to admit your need. Be human enough to admit your need. You know, here's the thing. I, I tell people all the time, I'm I'm a crier. I don't know if any of y'all, you know, people think real men don't cry. Jesus cried, so that kind of set me free right there, you know. And, uh, and so I'll tell people, you know, it's like they're trying to hold it in. I said, don't hold it in on my account. Jesus cried, gives us permission. And... uh and, you know, but it, it's not our nature to admit that we need help. I mean, think back to the garden, Adam and Eve. You know, they're in the garden, and they got to hang out with God. Can you imagine? God would just come along, strolling along, and hang out with Adam and Eve. And, uh, and here, you know, when they sinned, uh, you know, they made another big mistake. And it, it, said, it said God came looking for them. It said, Adam, where are you? And when he finally said, how many of you know God really knew where Adam was? Okay, you understand that? That, that? that was a rhetorical question God was asking. But Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. That's what we do when we sin. We hide. We hide. We put a mask on or we just hide and, and uh, because we're afraid. And so the reason we hide is fear. And God doesn't want us to, to live with fear. But if you're human, you're going to struggle with fear. You're going to struggle with anxiety. You know, I'm still afraid of things that I was afraid of as a child. Not many of them, but one, a snake. How many of y'all just like snakes? You know, they, they always see these movies about little boys had snakes in their pockets. That was not me. You know, when I was on my little tricycle, a snake got between me and my mama. And I didn't like that. And, uh, you know, I remember one time when we sold my parents' house after my dad had died, <laughs> and my little cousin, uh, my little niece goes, yikes. Snake, And so i go running out there, and sure enough, there's this big old long snake just laid out there, and they think, I think he's dead. And I put that shovel on him, and he coiled up like crazy, and the fight was on, y'all. It was, uh, and I won. The snake was in pieces by the time I got done with him, and I didn't get bit. But I don't like snakes. You may have something you're afraid of as well. But, you know, when we get trapped by fear, we become this pretend version of ourselves. Think about that. I mean, we, you know, people say, how are you doing? And instead of telling somebody how we're really doing, we say something, you know, like, bless God. I'm great. How about you? Don't y'all love church things? Y'all were in a fight on the way to church. And uh, we do that. Or, or you know, I he- I've heard this one. If, if I was any better, I'd be twins. You know, I mean, or I can't complain because nobody would listen, you know. Uh, you know, or just chilling like a villain on penicillin. I mean, I don't know, but all kinds of crazy things. But, you know, we, instead of being truthful, we we put a mask on. We put a mask on. Uh, You know, you're reaching, coming to church, and you're slapping the kids in the back seat, and you come walking into the greeter, and you go, hey, how are you today? (laughs) You see, we say these things and do these things because we're afraid to be transparent. It's kind of, it kind of, you know, what it boils down to. We're afraid that if somebody really knows us, they won't like us, right? I mean, you know, so there's. Let me go through some roadblocks to being real. One of the biggest compliments I ever got from a guard at the youth prison years ago was, he looked at me and said, you're real. He didn't say you're eloquent or you're a good preacher. <laughs> he said you're real, which I took as a compliment uh, because I've never tried to be eloquent. I just want to be real. And, uh, and so let me go through some roadblocks that are, will keep you from being real. One is the fear of being hurt. Anybody besides me ever been hurt in here? Anybody? Been hurt, right. We don't like to be hurt. And, but if you, if you interact with people, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to offend you. They're going to hurt you. Somebody, you. You might even know somebody that just sees it as their life mission to hurt you, right? Uh, you know, it might be somebody at work. And let me just tell you, when you quit that job and go to another one, that person's going to follow you. They're just going to look different. They're going to look different. It'll be a different person, but it's the same personality. And, uh, and so, you know, we don't want to be hurt. Uh, you know, you might have a relative that seems to have the spiritual gift of hurting your feelings. I mean, uh, you know, anybody? I mean, most of us do. we got an uncle or an aunt, you know, or you're sick, and they call up and tell you they know somebody died with what you have. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, we've all got that person, Right. And, and look, that's part of the enemy's plan to keep you separated from God because, uh, you know, we, we think we're okay, but, you know, but we don't want you to come too close because I don't want to let you get hurt. I've been there. This is a city where people come and go. When I was working with youth, so many youth pastors, they're just here until they move on somewhere and make some money. And so you get to where you don't want to get close to anybody. You don't want to make friends with anybody because they're going to be gone in a year or they're going to do something to hurt you. And so we've got to to not do that. Look what David said in Psalm 32. He said, when I kept it all inside, and he's talking about sin in his life, my bones turned to what? Powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never lit up, and all the juices of my life dried up. That's a bad place to be. But that's where we are when we hold our real self in and don't let it out. He said, but then I let it all out. I said, I'll make the clean, uh, make a clean breast of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved, and my sin disappeared. Listen, when you're honest with God and you're honest with other people, you don't have to worry about somebody making something up or whatever. You don't have to worry because it's out there. It's out there. You're being honest, and you're being transparent. Another fear, we, we fear being hurt but we also fear, uh, we have this fear of being rejected. Man, I can remember growing up, you know, I didn't want to, you, you almost didn't want to go play sports because you know how they choose, they get two captains. You did not want to be the last one picked because that means you really didn't get picked. You just were the last one, you know, and, and so nobody likes it. Or maybe you've, you filed for a loan for something and, and you got that letter. That said, we thank you for applying for this loan. But your credit history is terrible, and you cannot, you know, that, that hurts your feelings, right? I mean, we don't want to be rejected. Uh, we, we crave, I think, the fear of rejection we have, we crave being accepted. I mean, look at look at how many people, how many of y'all, when you post something, you come back more than once to see how many likes you have on what you posted. Just, be honest. Raise your hand up, y'all, The rest of y'all lying, or you're not on Facebook. And uh, so we all do that. We don't want to be rejected. You know. Listen, there was a study that showed 80 percent of the people in the study said social media likes determined their happiness. 80 percent of the people surveyed. 40 percent said happiness will only stay if people continue to like and follow their posts. 70 percent said that. They will only like a post or picture because it will make the other person feel good. In other words, (laughs) let me read that again. 70% say they'll only like a post or picture because they know it will make you feel good. In other words, they really don't like your pictures you posted. (laughs) They don't like them, but they're going to click like because they want to be nice. They don't want to hurt your feelings. So take that home. Uh, one 25-year-old said, I don't think it's coincidence that my mental health has become more stable in the time that I've gotten a regular circle of followers who like my tweets. My, my. We crave acceptance, don't we? We crave acceptance. The Bible has a word for that. The Bible says this, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. That's where you're trapped. When you love human praise more than you love the praise of God. Listen, we need to live for an audience of one. And that's him, Amen. not them. And so we need to do that. It's a trap the enemy will use in, in this to crave the acceptance of people. David saw himself the way God saw him. David said in Psalm 139, he said, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He wasn't bragging. He's was just recognizing that God doesn't make junk. And God didn't make junk when he made any of y'all either. And so we've got to understand that. Another fear we have is a fear of being exposed. If they really knew who I was, man, they wouldn't let me be here. Uh, You know, we all have those parts of our lives that we don't want people to see or know about, right? And uh, what would they think if they really knew who I am? What would they think if they knew, and you fill in the blank. Let me tell you, the devil will tell you that your spouse will leave you, your friends won't have anything to do with you, and they'll kick you out of the church. Let me tell you something, they won't kick you out of this church, but, uh, but the devil will try and tell you that if, if, you, if they really knew, none of them would like you, none of them would like you. This is a little bit old, but I remember uh, Deion Sanders, I used to love to watch him. I saw him still second and third one time on the same play in baseball, and uh. And, and he said he liked baseball better than he did football because people didn't hit you in baseball. Dion didn't like to tackle or be tackled, but he had this he had this image called "Prime Time Neon Dion," you know. And he was a tremendous athlete, but he tried. He had a wreck one day, and uh, had he died, it would have just been a wreck. He ran his car off the road, but since he lived, and he had to get right with Jesus, moment. He let it be known that he was, did that on purpose. He wanted to kill himself because he could no longer pretend. He could no longer pretend. He had to take that mask off. And so, folks, that's what we've got to do. You might be here hanging by a thread, but let me just say something that's going to free you up. You might think you're messed up, but I want to tell you the truth is we're all messed up. Look at your neighbor, and then look at your other neighbor. We're all messed up. I would tell you to say you're messed up, but, you know, that might cause some divorces in the crowd or whatever. How many of you know we're all jacked up, right? There's something wrong with all of us, okay? And so we're all messed up. I mean, they might look good. Some of y'all look better than others, but we're all messed up. I mean, we're all messed up. So you just get, you got to understand that. The enemy wants you to think that you're the only one. The enemy wants you, you to think that you're the only one. Everybody else in here is perfect. And that's just not the case. That's just not the case. Paul said, we refuse to wear a mask and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes, and we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. He didn't wear a mask and try not be something he wouldn't. Paul was a straightforward shooter. He said this, rather, we keep trying to do and say uh, out in the open, everything out in the open. Folks, we've got to be real we've got to be honest. Uh, you know, Paul's basically saying, hey, look, I'm not wearing a mask. What you see is what you get. And, uh, and he said, come on, and, and, and he'd tell you this. Paul would tell you, I'm as messed up as you are. Remember, he wrote Romans 7 as well, where he said, hey, the things I want to do, I don't do. I know what the right thing to do is. I just do the wrong thing. That's the Apostle Paul saying that as well. And so we've got to understand we're all messed up. So how do we get to where Jesus wants us to be? I want to give you four decisions that I think will help us become more transparent or more real. And uh, and that'll help you, uh, and and as far as being real and 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 all this. So look at this. Number one, establish a team. Establish a team. You need to have a group of friends around you. Uh, you know, God. Listen, God didn't. What did God say when Adam was by himself? It's not good that what, Amen. the man be be alone, and so he created one man, and uh, then they had children and and the earth populated. We weren't created to be lone rangers you feel overwhelmed uh and you're ready to throw in the towel you know maybe you don't have the right people around you you need to have a team of people that are going to love you and care about you enough to tell you the truth and to encourage you uh when you need encouraging and listen when you have those people around you that love you like that and they can provide stability and when you're going through a bad day uh you can call your team you know we we um you know, you, you want to be able to call somebody, and they might call the crew. They might call the team, and they all show up. Maybe you're sitting in front of a bar, and you don't want to go in, and you call somebody, and boom, they're there, and they help you get out of there. Maybe you're sitting in front of a casino, and you need help to get out of there. You call your friends, and they show up. you got to have those people. The Bible uh, says the church is a building, and here's what I mean. A building takes a lot of parts. This church building right here sits on some pilings. If it didn't, it'd be like this. But it sits on pilots. So you've got to have a good foundation. And then it's got beams that go up and hold it. And uh, we've even had people that come in here and say, Hey, if I walked in your church, the ceiling would cave in. Well, it hadn't. And, uh, and so, you know, because it's built right. And so just like a building takes all these different parts, our team takes all these different parts. We're, we're built uh, to, to work like a, a building that says the cornerstone is Jesus himself. And so we're built upon that foundation of Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. We fit together just like a building that was built right. Uh, so the second thing is enact a growth plan. And we'll be talking about this tomorrow to, to deputies. But here's the thing. God wants you to grow. Did you know that? God, it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. You see, we grow physically pretty much automatically. If you eat, you're going to get bigger. I'm proof of that. Okay? <laughs> And so, but here's the thing. Spiritual, emotional, and mental aspects of our life don't do that automatically. You've got to be intentional about growing. You've got to, so you need to enact a growth plan. You know, uh, you've got to have some good folks around you. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, here's the thing. If you're wanting to be successful in an area, uh, you want to find people that are successful in that area and learn from them. Uh, you know, the same way with walking in your Christian walk. You need to have friends a little bit further down the road than you and maybe some friends that are behind you. And so you can have that growth plan. Uh, you know, if you want to have a good marriage, hang out with people who have a good marriage. You know, if you, if you want to be a great parent, hang out with some folks that made it through the teenage war, you know, decade or whatever. You know, um, you, you hang out with people who are where you want. And so you've got to enact a growth plan. The Bible says the church is a body. Write that down. We're the body of Christ. Listen, my finger is no good if it's not connected to my hand. And my hand is no good if it's not connected to my arm. And if you're missing the heart, none of it's going to work, right? And so uh, we're the body of Christ. And look what Paul said. He said he makes the whole body fit perfectly together. That's why this church takes every single one of you to do the mission God's called us to do. And it takes each one of us working together. And so the body is fit together perfectly. As each does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we want to grow together, and, uh, and so we've got to work as a body. Third thing is enlist an army. Sometimes you're going to need support, and sometimes you're going to need some protection, right? There's going to be days when you need both of those, and, and you need people around you to protect you. You might need somebody that can say, hey, look, don't do what you're fixing to do. That's going to have bad results. Don't do it. I'm not talking about they're going to be like Rambo, you know, walking with you. Or what was that movie where the little kid had the big brother that would always go with him and, and keep the bullies off of him? That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about somebody's going to keep me from doing something stupid. And so you want to have those people around you that will protect you, that will fight for you in that, in that regard, that love you enough To say, hey, look, don't do that. You're going to have a bad result if you do that. The church is also referred to as a flock. Write that down. Luke said this. Jesus said, don't be afraid, little flock. We're a flock. I don't know if that's complimentary or not. Flock of sheep is not complimentary because the sheep are the dumbest creatures on the planet. Except for some of our politicians. Don't be afraid little flock For it gives your father great happiness To give you the kingdom See the flock doesn't get attacked When you stay in a flock But the the sheep that gets away from the flock Gets eaten The wolf gets that one Or the lion gets that one And uh, we were you know, Pastor Kathy always says The banana that gets away from the bunch Gets peeled And so this is why you need to be here Let me tell you It will happen to any one of us You isolate yourself you get further and further away from, from your friends at church, your family at church, guess what? Something's going to get you out here. Temptation, you're going to get cold, you're going to fall away, and pretty soon uh, you're going to be doing things you're going, how did I get here? You've got to stay connected. You've got to enlist an army. Uh, let me tell you, we do small groups here, although we've got one more small group of our Monday night groups, and then we're going to take a break for the summer. But we've got, we've got different ministry teams. You know, you can join a team. We need some people on the kids' ministry team, the children's ministry. Real people that love Jesus work with the children. If you really love Jesus, I mean, if you you really, really love Jesus, you're going to work in the children's church, all right? And we need some of those because here's the best testimony ever. It's not somebody like y'all or y'all that have been in a bad place and you came out of it it's that kid never changed. That little girl that was up here praying, my prayer is that she never experiences some of the stuff the rest of us have experienced. And the testimony is that God just kept her. You know? And that's what we want to see. So join a team, whether it's the kids or youth or ushers or greeters or hospitality, the I mean, the cooking team, they get some some camaraderie going and and the ushers and everybody. You be on a ministry team, you develop. Some friends that are a little bit deeper. And, uh, and so there's, there's something good about being connected with other people. And there's power in being part of a team. Number four, embrace. This is a hard one. Being loved. Because a lot of times we don't feel like we're lovable. I don't deserve love. I can tell you, I don't deserve what God did for me. But he did it anyway, didn't he? And uh, so this is, you know, we need this. Some of us more than others. But we've all made mistakes and we have regrets. We've all made bad decisions. and that, you know There's things, if we could go back and change something, most of us would, right? So now you find yourself in the middle of a bad day, and you begin to think crazy thoughts. That's when the enemy shows up. You start thinking crazy thoughts. You're having a bad day, so you're going to throw it in, or you're just going to go mess up or do something, and he'll play with your mind, and, and he'll, he'll try and get you to leave that mask on so, you, so nobody will know, but listen, we've got to take that mask off. People won't hate you when you take that mask off. Listen, the church, this church, especially, is a, is a place for people that have blown it. This is a, a place for people that have blown it. it. It's a place for those who have some regrets about their yesterdays. It's a place for people that want to change, people that want to grow, And people that want to make a difference. That's what the church, especially this church, is for. Nobody in here is going to cast shade. We need to embrace being loved. And uh, let me tell you, it's the love of God that draws people to repentance. The goodness of God draws us to repentance. And the church, write this down, is a family. That's why the, the Bible refers to us as the family of God. When you become a Christian, you become part of God's family. You've, you've got a family that's a real family now. And, and that's what I love about this church. We have a family feel. And, uh, and so you don't get rid of family, people. You help family. You don't get rid of family. And, so, uh, and we're a real family. Look what Paul said in Ephesians 2. He said this, Now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family. Listen, sometimes you don't feel like you belong anywhere. You belong in God's family. When you've received Christ, you belong in God's family. You're citizens of God's country and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You got as much right to be in in God's household as Paul did, as Peter did, as James did, because we've all come the same way through the cross, through a relationship with Jesus. So I want you to write this down. I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. I can be the real me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. And I want to tell you something. Pastor Kathy and I believe in each one of you. That's why we do what we do. I want you to bow your heads.